Cobram Estate is the most awarded Australian extra virgin olive oil. Let it be the hero when entertaining family and friends. Cobram Estate extra virgin olive oil is fresh and full of flavour. Perfect for roasting, frying, baking, dressing salads and for dipping bread. Make your food taste even better with a little help from Cobram Estate. Premium quality, great tasting and a versatile healthy alternative. Buy in store at all major retailers. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. I got another chance and at the, at the end of the season, like I was always a hard worker. I was always committed to football. But I was like, I'm just gonna, I've got to change the strategy here a bit because I've got another chance. Who knows if this is a one-year deal? and I'm done again, or I can turn this into something um, more. So I did a bit of reflecting at the end of the season, and uh, for some reason, I, re- like, I don't mind reading, uh, and I read kind of quite widely. I read this book, Good to Great by Jim Collins. Welcome back to this week's episode of Dylan Friends. That was Sydney Swans Premiership player Ted Richards. Since finishing his impressive footy career in 2016, Ted has been busy building his investment consulting company, Six Park. He talks us through the defining moment that changed his life and career trajectory for the better and the principles he holds responsible for his long and fruitful footy career. He also shared some very interesting stories, including a shock run-in with Melbourne's underworld during a visit to the hospital. One thing that I learnt and love from Ted is just how balanced he is as a person. I think it's something we can all learn from. Aside from this, he's an absolute champion. I know you'll love this chat as much as I did. Please... Don't forget, if you like the episode, it'd be a huge help if you could subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Let's go. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast. My name is Deborah, Dylan's mum. Strap yourselves in for some lighthearted and wholesome fun. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Welcome to the Dylan Friends Podcast, uh, my friend. It's an absolute pleasure and honour to have you on the show. Thanks for having me, Dil. Um, mate, as I said uh, off air before we were chatting, this is actually, it's a small world, so you, you're doing a lot well at the moment. Um, you've been nominated for your podcast, the, the Richards Report, for the best business podcast of 2020. So firstly, congratulations. Thanks very much, Dil. Uh, congratulations to you too on, uh, on your nomination. I believe this is your first nomination. It is. Yeah, it's not it my first. You're a two-timer. A two-time. Uh, so go, going back to back, which um, says something about the quality, maybe. It, so did you win last year? No, it, no, I didn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just two-time nominations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into your podcast in a bit because I do love your podcast. But firstly, at the start of the show, I like to sort of set the scene of how we know each other. But from my um, memories, this is probably our first time chatting, really. And it's an honour. I've been a big fan of yours for a long time. Thanks, Dil. I, I, didn't, I didn't think you'd remember this, but something actually happened <laughs> on field where we, we crossed paths. And we're, we're, we, we, sh- we shouldn't cross paths on field. We don't play a similar position. Well, we don't really play similar levels either. Yeah, you, yeah. you were oh, quite a good player. No. You were playing a lot of AFL football. Well, well, well let's, let's go back to... Um, you were playing for Carlton at the time. I was playing on Jared Waite, and it was, it, was, it was a game at the SCG, and the game was done. We, we were up by... That doesn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, we were up by like seven or eight goals, five minutes to go. I'm going through the motions, and there was no one around or anything like that. And anyway, this, I just got winded out of nothing. <laughs> nowhere. This hand came from nowhere, just a little cheap little jab into, into my soft guts that weren't expecting it. And I'm down on, on all four. <laughs> no, this and this little weed is just kind of, <laughs> is just kind of jogging <laughs> off. And I'm like, who the, who's that? And I was like, fucking yeah. Dylan Buckley. <laughs> <laughs> Got me. And um, <gasps> Dylan, uh, you, sh- 
you just pissed me off there for a couple of weeks going, fucking Dylan Buckley got me. But I what, I, what, what, I, what I do want to say is, like, what we play is a contact sport. It's a team sport. You do what you can to help your teammates. And Even when you're 70 points yeah, down yeah, in the yeah, last yeah. five minutes. But these, these attributes, you actually enjoy playing with these players that, you know, yeah. you had Paps on last week. Yes. Oh, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that Paps doesn't do that to, to the people that go and chase Buddy each week. And, the, the, the difference between me and Paps was he then kicks four goals. Okay? <laughs> I would just run around punching people in the ribs and not do much else. So yeah. you've got if you're doing that, you've got to back yourself up a little bit. Yeah, well, I'm also conscious <laughs> it's probably not the right environment anymore, but I owe you one. You so, too. Yeah. That's incredible. I Honestly, that's gone up there. There's not many career highlights, but yep. me yeah. hitting you in the ribs and you remembering it yep. is up there with yep. something that I've been really blessed with. So thank you. No worries. Thanks for bringing it up. Thanks for being honest. Um, mate, as we touched on your podcast, been nominated Best Business Podcast, two-time. You've mentioned that. It's great. Hopefully you take that out. I know you will. Um, I'm a massive fan of it, to be Thanks. honest. And Thanks, we, we got in contact a couple of weeks ago for the second time yep. and after that rough start. Yep. Um, but I listened to a couple of episodes um, and one is one of my favourite episodes, honestly, with Nick Stone. Yep. So Nick Stone's one of your mates from school, footy, footy yep. areas. Um, and he's the founder and creator um, of Bluestone Lane, which yep. is a cafe in New York. Yep. And you will tell this story a lot better than me. But from my memory of this podcast that I loved and if, for anyone who's been to New York will know Bluestone Lane because they do the one dollar lattes early days they've yep. brought you know coffee Melbourne coffee to the US and it's just a sensation and I want you to clarify this because I've definitely ruined it already but there was an incredible point in this podcast where right place right time I suppose marketing wise but they were doing the one dollar lattes in New York when they don't drink them that sort of coffee over there and it was next door to the Victoria's Secret models? Yep. Or did he plan it to be next to them? Or uh, I've yeah, ruined it. You, you might take over and tell him nah, a lot better. Well, it's Nick's story to tell, <laughs> but I, I, I will fact-check it a couple of areas <laughs> along the way where you've kind of gone zero to 100. Okay. Um, yeah, it started off as, as a little bit of a side hustle and, and you know, just, just trying to get people drinking these flat whites, which is a bit foreign to the US. But... Um, he, he's not confined to New York. I think he's now his empire is in the vicinity of sixty or so US and Canada, um, all, all around North America. Wow. One of them is in, um, uh, I think, I believe in Soho, not far from where the uh, Victoria's Secret models are often um, shot for for shoots and things like that. And I think that was just purely luck. Wow. Yeah, and we all need a bit of luck in life. And um, mm. um, and you know. To have Victoria's Secret models walking around Soho ho- holding your, you know, your cup and your brand, is there any better advertising than no. that? Yeah, so, um, um, yeah, so I, I can provide an intro, in, but um, in the meantime, uh, yeah, if you're interested, go and check out that story. Yeah, please do. We'll have that link to Ted's podcast and that episode in the show notes for anyone who wants to check it out because it is, it is great. I'm a serious unit. He was a three-time delistee, so respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Saints, Pies, and Hawks. Good things. Delistings? Blessings, <laughs> I reckon, sometimes. Oh, what, Maybe. An, what an optimistic yeah. way of looking at that, yeah. Positivity has yeah. always been a strength. Yeah. And yeah. also positivity when you're 70 points down. Yeah. To just, you never know. <laughs> yeah. If there's a rib there, take it. You never know when it'll turn into a good yeah. podcast story. <laughs> um, podcasting your journey, I suppose. We'll just finish on that section there how did this come about for for six buck obviously your business which we will yeah. get into later but the podcasting side because you've, you've got some awesome people thanks when i retired from footy in 2016 um i had a bit of time off and uh we just had our um our, our, our son was born and i'd just take him for walks around centennial park in sydney and i i fell in love with podcasts back back then what were you listening to well i was I, all i'd listen to was investing podcasts so I, I'm, I'm incredibly passionate about it but and they were pretty much all American. Yeah. And I was like, you know, this is this is great, but there wasn't back then, you know, over four years ago, anyone in Australia doing this. So it kind of planted a seed for me. And then um, when I joined Six Park, um, within our um, office space, in tucked away in this corner, is this recording studio that no one was using. And I was like, I'm going to give this a go, and I'm going to I'm going to be a I'm going to talk to people about investing. 
it's not me that's going to sit here and tell people what they should do. It's going to be me asking experts, people that have had succeeded in their industries, the questions that they may otherwise be embarrassed to ask yes. or, you know, learn some life skills along the way, draw out lessons. And it's not always going to be about stocks. It's not always going to be about people that have... It's going to be unique stories in different fields. And that's how it came about. Mm. And um, unlike you, Dil, you know, it's incredible you punching out an episode a week because it's actually a bit of effort goes into it. I, I do one episode a month and that takes up enough of my time. But I, I love it. I absolutely yeah. love it. it. It is. And I think I said this a while back, but selfishly... Um, oh, no, sorry. I was on a podcast a couple of weeks ago and they said, why do you love doing this? And yep. I was like, well, so many reasons. But selfishly, there's a part for me where I'm sitting down with successful people and successful to me doesn't mean millions of dollars or ups and downs. Successful just means you've had a life story and you're learning from things. So it's like a part of it's actually just learning from other people and their things and you realise there's no, you know, there's no luck in success. There's, it's every step of the way. It's like setbacks, positivity, right place, right time, but also taking opportunities. And that's not, that's just a current theme through everyone. Yeah, I, it's incredible, you know, the, the doors that it can open. I, I sat down with Scott Galloway once in New York for a podcast recording. Scott is the NY, uh, a professor of marketing at NYU and he was the one that brought down the WeWork empire from being a $46 billion valuation into um, a fraction of that. And I'm sitting down with him for a chat to do a podcast and all he wants to do is talk about football and Australian <laughs> football and what's going on back there. And I'm, and I'm kind of having this, like, what the hell's going on here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it, I, I do love it, yeah. It is. It's a, no, honestly, it's it's it is a special industry. I think, and when you tune into something, it's like you're choosing to listen. So it's actually yeah, you're you're invested in it. Yeah. Um, which we'll talk a bit more about later. But one thing about you, and I know you're a busy man. You got your podcast. You're obviously working with Six Park, and we'll talk about Six Park later and investing. What actually that makes up? Because I'm genuinely just interested about that. Yeah. I have no real knowledge in what that is, and I've got a funny story I want to tell you yeah. later. Yep. Looking but forward to it. More importantly, there's something that I know you're very keen on, and it's bees. Yes, yep. You got on your research. Yep. I do. I yeah. research this desk, as I say, it's a good desk, but a lot of things come across it. Yeah, yeah. And and you're a bee man. Yep. Um, I've done some research myself on bees. Yep. And I, I I'm not saying, I know that there's a higher level to this. Okay. I know yeah. you don't just love bees. Yeah. I'm I'm feeling it's that we need bees in the world, and you're sustaining it, or do you just like honey? No, no. So I, like once again, this was not something which is kind of like. I planned this. I, I went and did a course overseas in Boston and uh, on the campus they had um, beehives in the campus. I was like, I've never seen a beehive before. <laughs> I was just, um, just amazed by this, you know, this thing. I was just kind of kept on looking at them and, and I said to my wife when I got back, um, gee, I'd love a beehive one day, something like that. <laughs> and it must have, must have resonated because uh, that Christmas I got a beehive. And um, it's like, uh, I'm gonna set this up, and I'm gonna learn. Like I had no idea. Like you know, with a birdhouse, like you put yeah. a bird there, and bird, you put a house in the tree, and the bird comes out of nowhere and starts living in it. When you put a beehive together, you got to put bees in it. Like yes. they, don't, they don't just fly in. So yeah. I, had go, I had to go and research where you go and buy buy a bee ten thousand bees from. Anyway, I probably do. I apologise if you're losing listeners right no, now. No, 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 <laughs> no. Um, so I decided I'd call the hive uh, Beaverly Hives Nine Hundred Two One Zero. It's not a thing, is it? Yeah. Oh, well, it is for me when you write into it, and um, and I, I just love it. I what first and foremost, what I love is I got a I got a four year old, a three year old, yes, and I got another one on the way, and um, I love the fact that I'm teaching the kids where food comes from. Mm. Um, I, th- I I really enjoy that. Um, I I like the fact that it's natural, and I'm I'm, I'm trying to help nature you yeah. know it but it's a flow hive and what that means is it's got a tap on it so like when you turn the tap on and the honey, honey pours the honey starts coming out for the first time it's it's a pretty magical experience so um uh listen i'm conscious i'm only talking to a no, small portion uh, yeah. of your, your audience it's like <laughs> how good's that yeah. <laughs> and the, the other 99 percent are like let me go and listen back to Tom Papley. Yeah. <laughs> no, seriously, I love the idea of BL. And I, I think as you grow older and I suppose mature in a way, which I'm just defining what that means, yeah. you know, I'm trying to get there. Yeah. My sort of taste and food and knowing where things come from because of 
of footy, you sort of do whatever they tell you. But then once you're on your own, you research things and you don't have to eat certain things anymore. Like it's it does make you feel a lot better inside. I, I can imagine there's a, a massive satisfaction. I'm like growing a garden. Yeah. Look like at my plants. I, you know I, what, do you know how good I feel when I see a new leaf out of those? Fantastic. They're looking good. I um I've had a crack at kombucha and stuff like that. Um, I call it uh, my John kombucha after uh, the former port player. Um, and uh, <laughs> anyway, we we're, we're drifting. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, I do point to the fact that uh, David Beckham's gone out and got a beehive in the last you know, since, year or two. Since you have Chris Hemsworth. So am I. I do point to my wife when she gives me crap because we've now got two beehives because uh, one wasn't enough and uh, probably won't be long before I get a third. But um, anyway. Last thing on the beehives, I know for a fact when you got it, you were so excited. Before the bee suit arrived, you were doing this without a bee suit and you got stung yeah. multiple times. Yeah. How bad was that? It was pretty We've bad. We've got a photo and you would pop up on the screen. Yeah, I got it pretty... Uh, I don't, I'm not sure if it was arrogant or just, just excited. Confident. Yeah, just excited. And um, I was opening up the beehive and doing some work and I can remember the feeling of when the bees got under my sunglasses... <laughs> And when I was like, I was like, yeah, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That would hurt. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, my wife wasn't too happy about that. Okay. So beehives, tick, suits, tick. Yep. Um, all right, mate, let's get into your footy career. Um, congratulations on a great career, mate, because it is, it is fantastic. And I love your story because it's similar to mine in no ways at all. But just the fact that we both played in Melbourne and then went to Sydney, and I sort of can just bond with you over that. Sort I think of thing. you'd be surprised. If, <laughs> I think like, Dill, I I signed a lot of one year deals. Oh, yeah. but aren't they the best thing that have happened to you now? You look back. No, I would have loved to send okay. you. <laughs> okay, so would have I. But I'm saying yeah, in hindsight, it taught, you, it taught you good lessons yeah. in terms of hustling and yeah, yeah. You, you're right. Like it's you do, you do draw a lot of satisfaction from you know doing hard things and. No, Not no. at the time, though, is it? Nah. It's more after that. Nah, nah. But um, let's let's go there, mate, because Essendon obviously first picked up there, I think in pick 27? 27. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And that was uh, your first few years. How did you find it there, I suppose, and, and why do you think it didn't work out the way you wanted to in your first few years of AFL? Uh, I, I think a few, a few reasons. Like I, was, I was always a hard worker and, and everything like that. Um, when I went to Essendon, I was an Essendon fan. And I got drafted there when I was 17 and Essendon had just won the premiership. And to be honest, I think I was like part of me was just happy to be their mates. Yeah, I was like, I'm hanging around my heroes. And in hindsight, and I don't know if I had the maturity at the time, I should have had the view, I don't care who you are and what you've done, I'm taking your spot, Hurdy. You know, yeah. or, or Lloydie or Scotty Lucas. And um, But to be honest, I was like, I just want to have a coffee with you. Yeah, yeah. so... Um, uh, I had five years there and it, it I, you know, it, it didn't work out. Sheeds and I got along great, like Monday to Thursday. Yeah. But when it came to match selection, Thursday night, he just didn't rate me and I knew that I needed to move on. Mm. So that really remonstrates with me there and I think a lot of young people, like when you first get to a club, because I was the exact same, I suppose, Carlton go to my you know early days and all I want to do is everyone's friend yep. and you worry about being liked not respected oh, and that's perfect that's analogy the yep. best the, the biggest thing that you yep. know I learned and yep. what transition I'm, I'm 99% sure for you as well so you traded in 2000 end of 2005 yep. to, to um, the Swans yep. how did that come about was that like a trade that was there's a lot of things with trades you know it's like were you traded did you request a trade were you thrown into a deal with Essendon was it like a could it have been a delisting, but they picked you up? Like, not nah, in a rude way, I'm just nah, meaning, like, nah. how did it work? So, it was about halfway through 2005, I realised, I've got to make a move here. Yeah. Were you it's, contracted with them and you said, I just need to get I out? I was out of contract that year. Yeah. I was like, I've got to make a move here. It's yeah. just not working out. Like, I'm, I'm playing for Bendigo Bombers every week. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, and, um, so at the end of this season, I met with other teams and I was 22 at the time, so I was pretty keen to stay in my comfort zone, which meant staying in Melbourne. Dogs, Blues, um, were, were pretty keen, but Swans were pretty keen as well. And um, I can remember, like, it was the week before the grand final in 2005. It was maybe like the Tuesday or the Wednesday, so we're talking like four or five days before the grand final. And um, my manager at the time said, oh, um, uh, Rusey uh, wants you to come up to Sydney. They want to meet you uh, 
meet you and introduce you to all the other coaches. And I'm like, they've got a grand final in five days. And they're like, no, 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 this is important to them. And it just blew my mind that I could be that important to a team. So I went up there just to go through the motions because I, I was pretty keen to you know, stay in Melbourne. And I met with them and I, it was just a day trip and I can remember flying home that night going, I want to be a part of this club. Yeah. So when the season finished, um, I told Essendon, um, I want to be uh, traded um, to Sydney. And they're like, oh, no, 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 we'll give you a one-year deal. And I'm like, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. And they're like, oh, a two-year deal? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm out of here. It hasn't worked. And they're like, all right, um, we want a first-round draft pick. And I'm like, I play for the Bendigo Bombers. You know, what do you mean a first-round draft pick? And I couldn't believe it. And swans to their credit, even though like I was a VFL player, like, all right, we'll give it to you. And then Essendon, their cheek, goes, and a third-round draft pick. Uh, uh, it was this Dora? Yeah. <laughs> this <laughs> yeah, makes complete yeah, sense. You, you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah. And I think, like, I, and Swans came to the party and there was, like, a, a shuffling of steak knives, you yeah. know, in the third or fourth-round pick. And I, was, I felt so embarrassed that, like, you know, I, I was, like, some of the players that have gone on second-round draft picks, like Ben Brown, I was, like, yeah. in the 20s or the 30s, like, so... Anyway, I went to the Swans and I got there and um, I was incredibly grateful for, for what they gave up to make to what, ensure I could get there. Yeah, no, it's 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 impre- What was, I suppose, I, I know you said you with Rusey, you met with all the coaches. What was your first impressions of them? Like, why was it so impressive? Did they say anything? Was it, because as an onlooker of, and a, fo- uh, a fan of footy, a Swans has always been sort of my favourite team. Yep. Not that I barrack for, but you just love the way they seem to go about things. Like, they get guys there... Like not really yourself because you're a high pick, but you get you get guys on their second chance sort of thing and resurrect a career, and you hear this thing about the bloods culture and all these things. Like, what was so impressive about them when you first met there? Like, was there something that really stood out? Yeah, there's a couple of things. Probably first was um, uh, in discussions before I went there was Bruce said, "We've got a spot for you. We want you to play." Yeah, and I, I'd never had a conversation like that at Essendon. Yeah. It was always like. And you, you, you could fit on the bench there, you know. And so, um, and, the, and the plan was uh, Mickey O'Deep in the forward line, Barry Hall roaming the 50, me kind of working wing to wing, and Ryan O'Keefe being the real workhorse forward, working, you know, right down into the back line, back and forth. So they, they saw me as solving a problem in the forward line. Mm. Um, and I was like... Sweet. Oh, I'm in. Like me, Mickey O, you know, Barry Hall, yeah. Ryan O'Keefe, yeah. Um, and um, so, yeah, so that was that was one thing that, you know, left a uh, mark and impression on me. And the other, which I, I still remember, is um, after the trade went through and, you know, pre-season had just started, Brett Kirk got me to stand up the front of the group um, because he wanted to ask me some questions. And I was like, oh, yeah, whatever, whatever, Kirky. And it was... What does Essendon think of us? Do they think we're soft? And I was like, no, why why do you say that? And he goes, well, you know, do they think if they press us us hard that they they can overcome us? And I I had no idea where this was coming from because the Swans had just won the premiership and he was so interested in how they were perceived by other teams. And I didn't realise at the time but if you go back three or four years from that, the perception that other teams had at the time, which was the foundation of the Bloods, was, uh, which was the foundation of, of why they needed to address this, was if you push them, the Swans will give up. They're not, they're not resilient. Um, they, they'll, they'll have a crack, but if you just keep at them, they'll give up. And I was like, shit, that conversation was like three or four years ago. You've since won the premiership. And you're still fanatical about this perception. So, um, and that you know that left a mark because I, I knew uh, I'd come to a great club. Super impressive. Um, and you hear so much about Brett Kirk and and his sort of leadership styles. And I know there's you know Adam Goods and and guys that, you know probably a, a plethora of guys that, that do that um, throughout. What made it so special? I suppose. Like what I, I know you said then. Like it was. What do they think of us? But. What was it like internally, I suppose? Like, you hear of these feedback sessions where it was just brutal honesty. Yeah. Um, what, what were some of the things that you think made them so good? Oh, I consider myself very lucky to come into the, into the 
Sydney at the end of 2005 where a lot of the the hard work had been done the years before, probably most in particular um, uh, Stuart Maxfield. And the, the, the line I like is, um, uh, they, you know, a seed was planted to grow a tree under the shade of which many never sat. Well, I, I got to sit under that, sh- under that tree for a while. To answer your question, what happens at the club is the club, the players, the leadership group do not shy away from having tough, awkward conversations with individuals or groups of people about how they're perceiving, how they view their performance, their attitude, their mindset and how they think they can get better. And it's, it's intense because they're your mates and it's the constant battle about like versus respect, which you touched on earlier. It's not easy, but um, for on the most part, most part, good things come from these conversations. If there's one thing I know about, it's clangers. Unfortunately, I was always biting off more than I could chew, thinking it's on when it's definitely not, ripping that 45, giving it a crack, and often it was an absolute disaster. The good news is if your local club has had a recent clanger or challenge, then you can win up to $15,000 through the Amy Clangers for Good competition. In 100 words or less, tell us how Amy can help your club bounce back from a recent challenge. Enter now at amy.com au forward slash clangers for good. That's amy.com.au forward slash clangers for good. T's and C's apply. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freo versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble. Is does, does something stand out to you? Did you ever receive anything or do you remember sort of having to maybe even give feedback to someone that was yeah. uncomfortable? Like, yeah, oh, many times. Yeah. Like, is like um, I think the I think the feedback sessions have somewhat dialed down in that it's no longer one person sitting on a chair in the middle and and forty because for people yeah for people listening out there like and it, again this happens at a lot of clubs and we spoke about this earlier so many clubs cry and create culture and have these meetings but it doesn't work everywhere yeah like it, you really need buy in from everyone to to have them so yeah. and how it would work is people do just sit out the front and people just you know yeah and it's it's always there's always a framework in terms of how the feedback feedback's going to be given it's it's not just you know because you need to ensure that it's constructive you're and constructive and, and we we're, and once it's given you're not you're then using the words but afterwards and go but yeah you're still doing that good and everything like that and it kind of undoes everything you just said at the beginning but um it also wasn't just something for the young blokes and the developing team. Like this, yeah. coaches were given feedback. Um, uh, leaders, Goodsy was, you know, given feedback. And I always struggled <laughs> to give the coaches feedback. So I, <laughs> Gee, I'm out of contract. Yeah. The <laughs> that mortgage isn't going yeah. away. Um, but, uh, yeah, so, um, um, I, yeah, I'm, I'm very lucky to be a part of that system. Scary. Yeah, it is. I can remember, you know, myself having those feedback sessions, especially as a young bloke. You just sort of sit there and go, wow, like, yeah. it's, you know, it's tough. And, you, you know, you, the biggest thing you never want to... Makes you feel sick in your you gut do. sometimes. You feel sick. It's nearly worse giving it than sometimes receiving yeah. it, though. Let's uh, talk about the footy then. I suppose your 2005, 2006, you get there. They've just won the flag against West Coast, which you look back now, and I actually went to that game. I went to the 05, 06, both games. Yep. Um. What's your memories, are, I suppose, of getting there after they've just won the flag, then you walk up and, you know, you've done your, your role there, you're playing in the team and you go into 06. Do, first grand final you've played in. Yeah. What's your memories of, of that week and, I suppose, the game itself? Because it was an absolutely massive, massive game. Yeah. Um, we, we had had a bit of a rivalry against West Coast, so um, which had started before I got there, but um, we played them in the... 
uh, I believe it was the, the, the qualifying final. That was uh, it. That was at West Coast. Wasn't yeah, it? the famous game, game with Mickey O yeah, um, into giving, the crowd. Into the crowd. Yeah. When we won that, I knew that shit was getting real. Like you know, um, because we're going to have a home prelim, and um, so that win was memorable. Prelim final playing Frio um, at ANZ Stadium um, up in Sydney. I can remember with about like five or ten minutes to go, I'm playing full back on our Aaron Sandy Lance. And he turns to me, because we're up to like, like, I don't know, like eight goals or something like that in the, in the last quarter, and uh, he turns to me and goes, you're going to play in a grand final next week. And I was like, shit, I am too. Yeah, <laughs> are we having this conversation now? <laughs> anyway, um, and anyway, and then it's, then it's, um, then it's game day. I, I've, I've kind of gone from like, Bussing to Bendigo to play on the for the Bendigo Bombers, um, you know, twelve months before, pretty much to, you know, the the, the big stage, and um, I think it was kind of a blessing to be in Sydney because things didn't get kind of real until we came down to Melbourne, mm. and then you kind of realise, oh yeah, like this is real because in Sydney you can kind of just keep 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 going about your your your, your normal business. So, um, um. Yeah, unfortunately, we, we just fell short. But, um, uh, you know, to be part of a, an incredible experience like that, that was, I thought, that could be the pinnacle of my career. Am I wrong to say that game was the one where you got knocked out at the end? Yeah. So, so you don't remember the game at all? No. In terms of... I, 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 I do remember it. I do remember it. Because you were on target. You don't remember this, but you were on target for a Norm Smith medal. Oh, I... I I think there might be a bit of mayo in that. No, I mean, no. we don't add mayo. No. This is straight facts. Um, it was, yeah, like a few minutes to go. Um, and Daniel Chick, I was, we were playing on each other and, and he kind of, he got me uh, with a good tackle in the last quarter. So I was trying to get it to our forward line. And um, um, I can remember the, the doctor ran out to me uh, and he actually said to me, he goes, uh, Ted, you're all right. And I said, leave me alone. If we win this, we're in the grand final. And like back in the day, it's not funny. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know. I, yeah. And he was like, uh, you know, this is back in the day. Uh, ooh, close enough. Yeah. So I was a bit confused at the end. <laughs> where I was like, oh, we've lost the, the prelim. prelim. Yeah. And um, yeah, I quickly realised, no, 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 oh. it's the granny. So yeah, not great. It's pretty crazy, man. Yeah. I suppose but, you know you you end up getting one later on, which yeah. we'll, we'll go on. But um. Yeah, bloody hell, that's that is scary. And I suppose it's a very different game now in, yeah. in terms of in terms of that stuff. Um, after that, you, you know, you're playing some good footy, still staying up in Sydney, get really consistent. But we were chatting before earlier, like I reckon 29, uh, 2009 to 2010, that was probably like a crossroads for you. Yeah, Where on field, off field, you were sort of working out what was happening. Like, yeah, so. I think I signed a two-year deal in 2009 and I, I didn't have a very good year in 2009. I, I actually ended up getting uh, injured. Feb got me. Um, oh. And and um, my older brother um, was studying over in Sweden um, doing uh, a course over there. And I can remember thinking, gee, if footy doesn't work out for me next year, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to um, move to Sweden. And For work? Uh, for, uh, to do for a, life. To do, to do some study over there. And... Um, um, so it would be uh, over in Stockholm. And what happened was 2010 didn't start off that well and I got dropped. And I can remember looking at the fixture and we had like the three or four bottom teams coming up and I was like, oh shit, it is going to be that hard to get in back into this team. And what ended up happening is I had about eight weeks. Like I was dropped and like I'm busing to Canberra to play in the Neeful. In there. Uh, 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 yes. <laughs> and I'm out of contract this year. And I was like, shit, I, I need to put some things in place to get ready for the next stage of life because I'm, I'm thinking that I'm going to get tapped on the shoulder at the end of the year saying, thank you for your time, Ted, but um, service is no longer required, uh, delisted. And so I was like, all right, I'm moving to Sweden at the end of the year. What am I going to do for money? And I was like, I'm going to be, like, whilst I'm studying, um, I was like, I'm going to be a personal trainer because um, – so I was like, start doing a personal training course just to, so I can kind of, like, get a job over there because – Turns out Australian footballers aren't really relative to anything over there. And um, so this is all, I had this plan for like what was going to happen at the end of the year. But at the same time, I was like, I'm still all in with football. Mm -hmm. I've got, you know, let's call it eight weeks to go for the, in the season. 
and if I don't get another chance, I'm moving to Sweden. But if I can, like, keep going with footy because it's probably like 27, 28 at the time. Um, and I still quite like, you know, and so I was all, I was all in on footy, playing in the NEFL. And we, as I mentioned earlier, we all need a bit of luck in life. Craig Bolton, who was the center back for the Swans at the time, he got injured, which meant with like round 18, I'm back in the team. And I did well enough at the end of that season where the Swans offered me another one-year deal. And I don't know if you, you remember that episode of the, the Simpsons when someone's like just about to offer Homer a, a deal and before they've even said it, he's gone, done. Yeah. yeah. That, that's where I was at with the one-year deal. Like, I don't even think they needed to say a figure. Did you, neg- you didn't negotiate it? You uh, didn't ask for... I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I still had a manager, but yeah. I, he would have been like... Take it. Just take it, yeah. yeah. So um, I got another chance. And at the, at the end of the season, like, I was always a hard worker. I was always committed to football. But I was like, I'm just gonna, I've got to change the strategy here a bit because I've got another chance. Who knows if this, if this is a one-year deal and I'm done again or I can turn this into something um, more. So I did a bit of reflecting at the end of the season and uh, for some reason, I re- like, I don't mind reading, uh, and I read kind of quite widely. I read this book, Good to Great, by Jim Collins, and it just resonated for me. It just resonated for me in two ways, and there were, there were two themes within this book that I was like, I'm, t- I'm taking these ideas, one of which was this Greek parable that's mentioned throughout this book, this kind of analogy between the hedgehog and the fox. In the parable, um, the fox is good at many things, the hedgehog is good at one. And I... I when I looked back back at my footy career, I was trying to be good at everything. I was trying to play as many positions as I could to get a game. And it made sense to me. I thought, if I could be a winger, I could be, you know, know, get me on the bench and I I can do all these things. I was like, no, 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 no more of that. I'm going to be the hedgehog. I'm going to be bloody good at one thing. And the other nugget that resonated for me in the book is this concept of the the big, big, hairy, audacious goal, the, the BHAG. And I decided my BHAG was going to be, I'm going to be the best defender in the competition. And I wrote that down and I'm like, I'm going to own this. And it, it, it came hard because I was, I was bloody playing Canberra, mm. and Here I am telling myself I'm the, I'm the best defender in the competition. So I was like, I've got to get a plan for how I'm going to, going to make this happen. So I was like, uh, I compared myself to the best defenders in the competition, like Darren Glass, Scarlett, Rutt and all these guys, and I'm like, they're bigger than me, and uh, so I was like, as you know, Dill, uh, you know, off season program. What's what's the thing with the off season program? Well, you got to come back and run a PB. Yeah. At the Swans, we had this bloody three k time trial every year, and it was like, it's the most irrelevant test <laughs> for a footballer ever. I used to say, to when horse, do you ever run three kilometers straight I, on I a said, field? I said, horse, you're telling me. To learn geography for a maths test. Yeah. You know, like it's... I I chased Nick Rewalt from ring, wing to wing doing repeat 150s. I never, I'm never going like just one pace for like... Anyway, so I was like, stuff the 3K test. Just put muscle on and just be a monster in one-on-ones. So that, would, so that was one thing. The other thing that I recognised, I've just got to believe in myself more. Mm. i got to believe in myself more and it's so easy to say... And stop it there. How am I going to do this? And I was like, I'm just going to embrace visualization. So I, I, I wrote down every Wednesday before the game, I'm going to go and sit in that chair in the park at Centennial Park, and I'm going to play the game. So I'd go to um, this this chair in Centennial Park, and I'd sit there, and it'd take me about 40 minutes. And I actually quite find it quite stressful because I'd visualize everything. I'd I'd visualize. Uh, you know the window down in the car that what I'm listening to in the music getting strapped with the tape I'm, I'm visualizing um, my opponents you know sometimes getting off to a good start and everything like that but I would visualize myself dominating my opponent just dominating him like high balls coming in Nick Rewalt bang you're out of the way I'm taking this and I, I'm not saying that's how it played out but um, when it came to game day I was like, I got this. Yeah, I've seen this. I've seen this movie before. 
um, I'm ready to go. So started 2011 and I'm like, we've got the plan, let's go with it. And kept it going and until I was, I'm, I'm proud to say I came um, fifth in the Swans Best and Ferris that year and I was like, oh, fuck, you know, like from where I've come from. And I was like, we're going again, we're going again. Absolute discipline, absolute discipline to this strategy. Nothing wavers, fucking hedgehog, you know, BHAG, we're going again. And footy went to another level, 2012 at the end of the year. All Australian. All Australian, second in the best and fairest premiership. And I, and I kept that mindset the whole time for the rest. I, I think I ended up playing for like after 2010, another six years. So, and, and I thought I was done. That, that's my plan on how I kind of got through it and um, draw a lot of satisfaction from that. Mate, you should. It's, it's honestly, yeah, it's a credit to yourself because the visualisation stuff is very tough. Yeah. It's so hard to do, you know. Like I, I tried that a lot and I think that really resonated with me in terms of the hedgehog versus the fox. fox. I was a fox as well. I was like, oh, I can play half forward. I can yeah. play half back. I can play wing. I'm, I'm pick, really good at bench. Me. Pick me. I'll just yeah. play anywhere. It's like, no, no. If you just fucking nail down one thing yeah. you're good at, commit to it. Yeah. And the visualisation one I love because we um, did a little bit on that as well. And I love the part where you say like, it's not actually visualising just the good things. Nah. It's visualising the bad things, then still being positive to then kick through with them. Yeah, I'd, I'd visualise, you know, a fumble or you know, some form of stuff up, or, you know. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, just dwell on it. I was like, back on, next contest. Here I am go again and it, it was it was great for me because it, it just set me up for that week that's huge man and going into the 2012 granny you're playing on buddy franklin there yeah he's playing at the hawks at that stage what, what were you visualizing in that game i struggled going into that because i'd um had a uh, a real issue i'd injured myself the week before and i was paranoid absolutely paranoid that i couldn't run i couldn't change direction because i couldn't even like train that week Within your knee? You no, no, it's, it's, it's syndesmosis. 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 Yep. D- done a lot of damage to that. And the physio was like, the physios, the team at the time were like, listen, we can strap this up. We can lock it up and we can just jab it pre-game and every quarter and we can get you through this game. And it was a few years before, I think Trent Crowe went down with like an injury like in the first few minutes of the game. So fortunately, Hawks went on to win that game. But I can remember thinking, if I go down the first few minutes because I just cannot change direction on one of the most athletically gifted players of all time that I'm playing on, I'm a liability mm. and it is incredibly selfish for me to kind of go into this, te- this, this game if I'm going to hold the team back. So I was, I was kind of nervous going, oh, what do I do here? Did, did you ever consider not playing? Well, I, I think I did spoke about it and the physios are like, we can get you through this game. We can get you through this game. You'll, at, you know, you'll never kind of go to a huddle at quarter time, half time, three quarter time. You, know, you just go down and we'll jab it up and when you're back out there. And um, that was the plan. And to be fair, like Buddy, you know, Buddy played really well. Um, I did my best to kind well. of no, to, to, to nullify him. Um, but um, got through that game. And um, yeah, I'm incredibly proud that I contributed on the day. I've got two questions with that. One's a statement. Um, Zach Dawson, we had I uh, had him on the podcast a while ago, and he spoke about a similar issue. He got food poisoning the night before the 2010 Grand Final. Yeah. So he was in hospital the whole night on a drip, and the same thing going through his head. He's like, "Well, if I go out there, am I going to be a liability?" And yeah. and Ross Lyon came up to him at before, didn't say like one word, just came up to him before the game and said, "You better not fuck this up. You could lose a lot of friendships from this." And that was just before he went out. But he said it was nearly the best thing that happened because after that he knew, he's like, I've got to get through this game. Yeah. And nearly you put more pressure on that. You're probably thinking about the injury more than the actual games. You're probably not even stressing about it. Secondly, with the visualisation stuff, did you visualise healing? Uh, I, don't think I, I don't think I was, I, I was that good. No, I don't, I don't think I went, okay. I went that far. But I can remember like going, I'm going to do what I can here. Yeah. Like I'm, gonna do, I'm not going to try and think that I'm going to be like the best I, I just I'll, I'll conscious I'll, I'll focus it on my role and I'll play my role and I'll do it to the best of my ability mate grand finals I love grand finals as every footy lover does in grand finals I suppose there's always those moments in a game 
those defining moments, I suppose, and it can be different for players yep. in each thing. And it's often something that we don't see as a public eye. It's something that probably happens off the ball or internally something was needed to be done. Does something stick out to you in that game where you remember, fuck, this is, that was huge. That moment was massive. Dan Hanabry did a great act. I believe it was the first quarter where he kind of ran back with the fight a bit and Roughhead got it, got him pretty solid, but Hannah's didn't shirk in yep. the contest. And I can remember going, we are in here. Like it was, it's, it's, only, it's only little things, but uh, I can remember like here is this young kid um, having, giving, giving everything he's got and you just want to support it and play your role too. To um, that was to answer your question. That that that'd be one. That was that was a huge mark, wasn't it? Yeah, back yeah. with the flight. Yep. Cleaned up. Yep. Yep. And got back up. Massive. On with the show. Um, quickly, just on footy as well. I think this would be interesting. You're talking about playing on these big guys. Who were some of your toughest opponents? It's normally the the forward that's playing. It's got a, you know in a good team. It's got a great midfield. So, um, let's look at Nick Rewalt and his career. Nick. I don't know, probably played for 17 or 18 years or something, but for portions of that career, Nick had a phenomenal team around him and was just, just getting it down. And for other portions of Nick's career, let's say the midfield wasn't too great, you know, especially towards the end when um, the Saints were more down the bottom of the ladder. And it was very different playing on Nick because uh, he just wasn't getting the same supply. So he's always hard to play on because he was so fit and everything mm. like that. But you got a Nick Rewalt when the Saints are at the top a rough head when the Hawks are at the top, Jonathan Brown and the peak of the, the, the Lions dynasty. They're bloody hard to play on because if you're lucky enough to beat them once, well, guess what? It's coming back down there in 10 seconds' mm. time. So go again, and it's just a matter of time before they're going to get you. Yeah, so um, it's those guys that are hard to stop. Footy moments, as we touched on earlier, in 2009 through that period where you got the really bad injury with Fev. So Fev punctured your lung. Yeah. yeah. He ran through you. I, I went back and tried to take... You went back with the flight? And um, he got me with his knee, um, seven breaks of the rib. Um, and when, it, they, when they broke, they punctured my lung and um, had to go to hospital. And um, the, the lung is like a bag. And when there's no air in it, it actually shrinks. And, you know, with the blood that's going into the lung, it's, it's kind of getting less and less. And you, you now start working off one lung. And um, so it's, it's quite dangerous because your heart's got to pump you know, double the pace to get the blood around your body. So they took me into hospital and um, they had to cut through my ribs to put like a like a little vacuum cleaner kind of thing, yeah. like a tube down there to get the blood out so my lung could expand again. And um, it was bloody painful. And um, it was like the next day or two, they've come to me and gone, Ted, um, uh, we put the tube in the wrong spot. Uh, we, we've got to do it again. And I was like... What? Do you have to be awake while they're doing this? Yeah, you've got to be awake while you're doing it. So you've just got to hold your arm up. And like they cut through your ribs and put this little little pipe in. And I can remember like when they go, listen, we've got to do it again. I was, I was, just, I was just livid. I was like, so painful. And they've gone, and is it all right if a student does no. it? And I was like, Sit, mate, I had like, someone's been doing this for 30 years, stuffed, they it, stuffed, up, it. stuffed yeah. it up last time. And they've gone, listen, I'll bring them in just so you can meet them and they'll have a chat with you about um, what they're going to do. And in walks the most attractive German surgeon. She was, <laughs> she was stunning and I was like, yeah, they, we've all got our ego. I've got, yep, here you go. <laughs> <laughs> They've gone, listen, last time we gave you morphine and it was, wasn't strong enough because of what we have to do. So this time we're going to give you um, uh, ketamine. And I'm, I'm, Jesus. I, and I, I'm not... Not a horse, are you? I'm not a horse, and I'm, I'm not here to to preach about, about drugs or anything like that. But it was an incredible experience, <laughs> <laughs> and um, which, I, I, yeah, I won't go into more detail there. But I can remember at one stage, just before enjoyable, the right, just before the operation started, for some reason, we, I thought we were in a spaceship, <laughs> and we we're blasting off. And I can remember turning to her, going. Are we really going to do this while we're blasting off? Like, let's just wait until we at least like, level out. <laughs> and anyway, I had to have like a week in hospital because, um, you know, the issues with the, the, the lung and everything like that. And um, 
they put me up in public. And I, I can remember it's filthy because I was like, you pay so much money on private health insurance and I'm in this public ho- um, hospital. So I had this bloke next to me <laughs> who I became quite, quite good mates with. And um, uh, we, we had to share a TV. So we're watching like Channel 10 News or something like that. And he starts getting all excited because um, he's on the news. And I was like, what, what happened? He goes, oh, I got stabbed. And like, this is the party I was at. And I was like, oh. And anyway, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so my sister comes round, who wasn't living too far, just to uh, drop off a piece of cake or something like that that I, I just needed for a little emotional support or something like that. And um, just before she got there, I, um, um, he asked if he could borrow my phone for a second. I'm like, yeah, yeah no worries, mate. Here, here's my phone. And I was chatting with my sister for like an hour or two. And I can remember, like, I'm like, where's my phone? I was like, pulled the curtain back. I'm like, mate, give me my phone back. Like, he's still on the phone. So I got the phone back. And um, I could hear, like, I pulled the curtain back because I was filthy with him. So I'm like, I had a look at the, the, the phone number and he'd made, been making these inter- international calls. And I'm like, oh my God, come on, mate. Like, he starts, I could hear him crying. <laughs> can hear him crying on the other side of the curtain and I'm like, like you're shitting me because like, you've obviously been calling people overseas on my phone. I'm trying to do something nice it's for It's probably the days as well when it wasn't as cheap. To yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've got a bloody vacuum cleaner plugged into my rib, you know, and, and my lung. And so I pull the curtain back and I go, all right, what is it? What's, what's the matter? And he's like, I just found out that the bloke that stabbed me is going to come back and get me. And I'm like, Oh, shit, I don't need this right now. So I can remember, like, I grabbed a fork and I just tucked it in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> just thinking, if things escalate here. I'm going to fork this shit out of this Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. And I rang up security and I said, listen, we've got an issue here. This bloke who's been stabbed a few days ago has just been told. The bloke's coming back to get him. And he goes, don't worry, I've got it, I'm coming down. So he was on like level 10 and we're on like level 4 or something like this. In walks a bloke who, he, he looked like he was 90. He was like, I've gone, all right, what's, what's the plan? And he goes, if they come in, you let me know and I'll sort it out. And I'm like, you're on level 10, we're on level 4. If a bloke's coming in to get stabbed and this 90-year-old is walking in, <laughs> like, <laughs> anyway, so long story short, they had to get someone else in. Um, they, 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 they shipped him off into another room and uh, I had to tell the bloke that came in to um, they replaced him. I worded him up. I said, listen, there's an odd chance. Mistaken identity. There's an odd chance someone might come in here. Just start trying to stab people. Yeah. <laughs> Just make sure you make him aware it's not you. Yeah, yeah. So um, uh, I think we drifted from... Uh, no, where, where, I like where, this uh, story. Yeah, I went down a rabbit hole there, but that, that's, that's when... Um, Do you know how... How's he going? Are you keeping in contact today? No, no, we, 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 lo- we lost touch. touch. Yeah. 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 No, I hope he's safe. That's, oh, I, I hope so too. That's, that is scary. Um, but in all serious, I don't want to discourage that injury because that could have been pretty bad. Like, Yeah, I, I think so. Like, you're very lucky if, you know, when injuries happen in, with in professional football and AFL and that you kind of, kind of immediately got all these doctors and stuff around you. But like, you know, I was coughing up blood mm-hmm. and um, yeah, like I think back in the day, like there's only so long that your heart can kind of just keep going, beating harder and harder and harder to kind of get blood around one lung for. Yeah. Mm, hectic. Um, as, as all footballers would say, it's part of the parcel, but that's mm. pretty serious, obviously. Uh, another one I suppose that you've been touched by and, and I was reading up on this before is uh, a time when later in your career as well, you've had another head knock. Yep. And it was a bad concussion. What's, yep. what's your history with concussion? The unfortunate issue with a concussion, say compared to breaking a bone is, you know, you can get an x-ray when you break a bone in your arm or whatever and they can say, yeah, yeah you got a broken bone there, let's fix that. With concussion, it's just a bit more unknown. So yep. um, uh, fortunately, like... You know, unlike other players that have had some concussions that have had lingering effects, I'm, I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, um, you know, but, um, yeah, there's never, I wouldn't imagine there's ever something like a good concussion or anything like that. It, it is a scary thing. And I suppose even in my point of view, like I had a concussion one day and towards it, like it was my last year of footy. And it was one of those ones where it was like a delayed concussion. Oh, yeah. And I was totally fine. But then like two days later, I was... And it wasn't ketamine, but I was feeling like I was 
behind. Yeah. I was like, fuck, this is scary. It's yep. a really scary thing. And uh, I think it, it does deserve more. Um, and I know now it's getting a lot of people looking at it and how we, we touched on earlier how, like, you know, when you got concussed early days, but now you look at these yep. times and we how We need to be cautious with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's spot on. Um, mate, let's talk about the transition out of footy and, and your time, I suppose, through your career. You said you studied for 15 years. It's I, yeah, I took one semester off over that 15 years. And so I'm pretty much every year you played besides that you yep. studied. Yep. What did that do for you mentally? Do you think it helped? Yeah, I, I, obviously. I, yeah, I think um, it's it's quite across the industry. This kind of this fear of fear of failure, and, and people just kind of always think that they're kind of one game or one year away from getting cut. So for me, I never felt like I was going to be someone that had a long career, but I always just wanted to have things in place as best I could if I did get cut, um, that I could get on with the next chapter of my life. So um, I did a Bachelor of Commerce, and I'm, I'm not going to sit here and try and pretend I'm like some model student. Like, uh, you know, I failed subjects. Uh, I even met with the Unsatisfactory Progress Committee, you know. <laughs> yeah, and um, um, But, yeah, I, I, I chipped away at it, like... I found it hard, I had to sacrifice, but I got there. And then after that, I was like, you know what? I think this kind of works pretty well with footy and, and, and studying. So I did a master's in applied finance and I ended up working part-time the last six years of my footy career. Uh, is that in the field that you're in now? Obviously, you've got you, yeah. you're a, you're in your own business now, uh, an owner of, at Six Park. Yep. Talk us through a little bit about that because I, I, we were chatting about this earlier. It's something that I'm very unfamiliar with. Yeah, and it's 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 almost daunting for me as a young man. Look, you're talking about investing. Yeah, I um, I I worked under a fund manager studying stocks the last six years of yep. my footy career, and was going to go down that path um, after football. Um, and I had a mutual friend that um, uh, set us up for a coffee just to have a chat about um, you know, what's been going on. He was telling me about what he's building to provide um, uh, advice, investment management online that is low cost and uh, it was there was six park and it just resonated for me in so many ways because it is the advice the management and this human overlay where he's building out this incredible team which is um chaired up by his co-founder brian watson that um um sat on the board of guardians for the australian future fund with and um also chaired up um uh, jp morgan Lindsay Tanner, the, the former finance minister that listeners may be aware of, uh, is a former chairman of Essendon, and um, Mark Nicholson, who now sits on the investment committee too, who um, headed up an investment division of, of the World Bank. And I was like, there is a need for this in Australia because so much of the industry is just ugly conflicts mm. and lack of transparency and what we saw happen um, in the Royal Commission was the clean out we needed. We need you know, there is there is a real need in Australia for advice for people that need help with their investments that is has no conflicts, fully transparent, and is low fee. And that is exactly what we do. Yeah, it's fantastic. Now, for someone that doesn't know anything about this process or how it take place, i.e., me. Yeah. What 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 happens? So I'm a I'm a young man. Yep. I've got money. Uh, you know what? How low? How little do I need to invest? Because I've I'll tell you my investing story, and this is why I'm so scared. Yep. And it's funny, but it's also shit. Because yep. as any young man um, does, you've got mates at work in this space, yep. and you know everyone wants to buy stocks at some stage, yep. and you think you're onto you obviously got your blue chip stocks that are safe, and they sort of go up, which I'm assuming is something not always. Not always. Okay. Then you've got these other ones where it's this resource in Latin America that yeah. they found an oil mine, which I came across, and someone said, mate, get onto this. You've got to get onto this. And I said, yeah. yes. Yeah. Yes, I will get onto this. It was, I think it was 0 0.03 like, cents or something. Yeah, it's, yeah there's, there's a lot to speak to there. Um, Australians are fanatical about two things, stocks and property. But there are so many other asset classes beyond that. So what, how, what Six Park does is we don't assume that everyone is a cookie cutter person than everyone else. We, we all have our own risk profile. So, and we all need to sleep at night. So stocks, they come with risk. They are a high risk volatile asset class. And if you have an investment horizon that is 
next few years. If you're not someone that is comfortable with a lot of risk, if you have someone that um, doesn't have much investment experience, you should not be put in a portfolio that is 100% no. stocks because you are not going to sleep at night and it won't last. So then for me, for, for someone you know listening to this podcast now, okay, we're going to start this. I'm just looking at your website here. You, you can start from upward of $5,000, yep. right? Yeah. So, so I've got $5,000. bucks. you'll do the risk assessment online, sixpark.com.au, and we'll ask you questions about your investment horizon, your appetite for risk, your investment experience, et cetera. And we'll put a recommendation together according to that. That might include stocks, but it'll also include other asset classes too, like um, international stocks and bonds and property and things like that. Put that portfolio together according to your risk profile um, and then invest according to that. So we'll, we'll execute the trades for you, manage the portfolio for you, and for that we'll charge you $9.90 a month. Got yeah. that here. It's fantastic. I, I honestly, I'm not just saying this, and this isn't a, a plug at all, but it is. I w- would be looking at this, uh, and we'll be talking about this off air. So I might just need four thousand. I'll go. You, you, if you can spot me four, I'll put in thousand. All That'd right. be nice. That's an incredible return. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that's the way it worked. Me too. Me too. Um, in all seriousness, though, how? did this start for you? I suppose like you, like this is some really stupid questions, but because I'm not from a business background and I'm I'm assuming some other people aren't, I'm hoping they're not and they aren't the only ones that don't get it. How does that work in terms like for you, your role now in the business, you're obviously an owner in this. Yep. So um, it all started for me um, kind of hearing, you know, when I I joined the business, um, I was uh, the fourth member of the team to, to join and uh, that was about four years ago. There's now about 12 of us. Um, the, the business has grown in many, many different ways and it's all off the back of um, the unfortunate nature of the industry in mm. Australia where um, due to the costs of compliance and everything like that, a lot of professionals won't speak to people that have less than $200,000. Yeah. They're not attractive economical clients for a lot of the, these. So the majority of Australians, eight out of 10 Australians, don't receive any financial help. And we want to provide a solution for that. Incredible. Mm. No, absolutely love it. Ted Richards, what's, what's next for you? Well, my wife's seven months pregnant with our third, yeah. chi- with our third child. So um, Christmas... Three kids. Yeah. Th- three two beehives. Two beehives. And six park podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Um, work, podcast. So, yeah, I guess we never know what, what life's going to look like after we retire. Um, and it's, it's hard to forecast you know, five or ten years ahead, let alone, you know, you know, what the next you know, few months might look like. And if there's anything 2020's that taught us, mm. it's be careful assume, making assumptions about the future. But... Um, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very lucky where I am in life. I've made a lot of sacrifices to be able to, you know, to, to have the job and, and things like that. But I, right now, outside of work and family, I, I, I love running, listening to podcasts. I live in Melbourne now. Um, you know, if you asked me that a few years ago, I probably thought I would have stayed in Melbourne. But um, it's funny how life can kind of um, can turn the way that it does. It sure is, Matt. And... Um it's it's very exciting to think what's what's next. I can't be happier and uh, and more blessed to have you on the show. Um, I've honestly learned a lot today. Um, in all seriousness, about about a lot of things because you're an in, incredibly intelligent man. Oh, thanks. Um, not just not just off the field, but even just the on field stuff, mate. The visualization and and things. It's and it, for everyone that listens, I always say this: these things aren't footy things, are they? Like, how much is that? mindset you've done now and all those things that you went through that's helped you so much in your business like that you probably wouldn't be where you are now if you didn't do those things yeah i i reckon people like talk about you know oh, f- footy you know you learn how to kick a ball and you, you learn about how, yeah. footy teaches your life skills that are applicable to other industries from football the life skills that it's taught me is hard work and attention to detail first and foremost the values that you can get from that it's also taught me about resilience and being able to handle setbacks with a mindset of how can, how can I grow out of this? Um, and it's 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 also t- it's also taught me other things too. So I 
I know that like football's unique in that it's it doesn't traditionally set you up for for many other uh, jobs unless you want to stay in the industry. But there are certainly life skills you can draw out of it. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, good luck this weekend with good the luck awards. Good luck with the podcast Thank awards you. for you Thank too. Thank you. And uh, there's going to be all this, the links in the show notes for the Six Park, for the podcast as well. Uh, make sure you check it out because it is incredible. And um, hopefully we can have a few beers in the future. Yeah, sounds good. Thanks for listening to the Dylan Friends podcast. If you liked it, it'd be a massive help if you could subscribe, rate and leave a review. I'll even give you a kiss. The show is produced by Dylan Buckley and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual editing. Samuel Kenny Creative looks after graphics and animation, and the podcast is recorded at the Dylan Friends studio, which sounds fancy, but really, a friend had a spare room at his office, and I took it over. If you'd like to get in contact to suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, you can email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com, which will also be in the show notes. Thanks so much for tuning in. This one's for you. I know we're all in quarantine, but that doesn't mean we need to stop taking care of ourselves. We've all been guilty of letting things slide of late, but in saying that, it's time to get back on track. And that means being well-groomed. Dylan Friends This Week is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped has only just launched in Australia, so now you can be one of the first to experience their life-changing products here in Australia. Water-resistant, 90-minute shaves, and LED lights, just to name a few specs. We've all heard some horror stories of not using the right products, so let's look after ourselves with Manscaped. You'll be a new man. So jump on board, get 20% off plus free shipping with the code DILL123 at manscaped.com. The link will be in the show notes. KO's got you covered for this footy season with every game of every round live and ad break free during play. AFL, here we go. Carlton versus Melbourne with no ad breaks during play. That is going to be an absolute banger. Last time these two uh, got together, well, not the last time, when I was there, I kicked three. Freer versus Swans, live with no ad breaks during play, exclusive in Victoria. And the Hawks versus Saints, live with no ad breaks during play, is going to be an absolute blockbuster. It's a must win for both of these teams. And don't forget the NBA playoffs. Gee whiz, they are going off at the moment. So many big games to mention, and they will be absolutely enthralling. Watch every game live with both Eastern and Western conferences live with ESPN on KO. There's absolutely plenty of room for everyone, so get on board with KO. Now also available on Hubble.